Hello, and welcome to the Bless the City Church podcast. So, how many of you were all the way up past midnight last night? Show of hands. Okay, so I won't be offended when you nod off this morning if you're a little tired. Um, we, in our house, we have little ones, so we don't bother trying to stay up till midnight. Um, and so we did it at about nine. We did the countdown and everything. Um, we're having some technical challenges, so I'm going to communicate to the people in the back, next slide, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm going to pray to kick us off. Does that sound good? Okay, Father, we praise you, and thank you for your presence, and thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for, uh, God, not only uh, on January 1st, but on the first day of the week, and even uh, every single day is an opportunity to wake up afresh to the reality that your mercies are new every morning, and every day we are new creations in Christ. And so, God, uh, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning, that you would strengthen hearts, that you would inspire spirits, that you would equip your people to be um, prepared with the right paradigm, the right perspective on uh, tackling this new year uh, as close as we can to Jesus, our good shepherd. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, Jeremy asked me to speak this morning, and I get to, I think I'm going to tag team next week with him. Um, we're we're going to do a 21-day fast uh, as a community. No pressure. Like, it's not like that kind of a thing. It's an invitation, a get-to, not a have-to. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll teach into that a little bit more with, uh, what's the deal with fasting and, and inspire us with some stories and, uh, equip us with some, some practicals. Um, do we have the thing on, we don't have the slide yet on the daily bobs. Okay. <laughs> Hi on, uh, online people. Anyway, um, so we're going to, we're going to do that next week. Um, so you got a couple weeks to think about it and then we'll give some inspiration and some vision and some equipping. But um, as I'm speaking on January 1st, I thought, Lord, I'd really love to get a word for the year. And, um, and I, you know, my mind kind of does this, and so I question whether it's prophetic or not. But I see things in numbers, and uh, we all are familiar with how many people came out with 2020 vision happening in the year 2020. And uh, we got maybe a vision of uh, some craziness in the world, and, uh, but we did get some clarity on things. But as it's coming into the year 23, um, I couldn't help think about Psalm 23. And I was like, Lord, is this really you? Am I just making this? I bet there's going to be a ton of people that come out with the same word because prophetic types love to do this thing with numbers. Um, and, and sure enough, I've already seen uh, three or four people. Uh, to me, it was like confirmation, like, hey, I'm on the right track. And here's the deal. I had a dream last night, and that felt like a confirmation. I could have been thinking about my message but um, it felt like a confirmation of the thing that I had been sensing for the days leading up to now. And, um, but uh, whether or not this is the prophetic word of the Lord for the body of Christ or for Bless the City, you just can't go wrong with Psalm 23. You just can't go wrong. You never graduate from needing the truths that are found in the scripture. So whether or not this is the word of the Lord or not, I believe the Lord put this on my heart. I believe the Lord's got great things in this uh, passage for us. And so rather than it being, I don't know what the Chinese calendar is, is it the year of the rat or the tiger or the whatever, I'm declaring 2023 the year of the good shepherd. Who's with me? 
Amen. All right. Okay. Um, so next slide. Um, David kicks off this 23rd Psalm, a beloved, a favorite of so many. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, David knew something about shepherding. He was a shepherd. He came from a long line of shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, all were shepherds. So when he unpacks this metaphor, and the scripture are full of a lot of metaphors for God. He's our bridegroom. He's our king. Um, he's all kinds of things. But he definitely has this thread throughout scripture of wanting to reveal himself to us as a shepherd. And so us modern folk who aren't used to agrarian lifestyles don't fully get all the benefits out of this passage um, as maybe a first century Jew would. And so I uh, recently reread a book. This is the old 70s version. They got a, a newer uh, cover uh, out there. But um, Philip Keller, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. This is a profound book. This guy actually was a shepherd. And so he unpacks all of the metaphors and all of the, um, fr from the, from the real life of watching sheep and how stupid they can be <laughs> and how we all like sheep wander and go our own way. And yet, how incredibly uh, laid down the life of a good shepherd actually is. He had, Philip Keller had neighbors uh, who were mean-spirited shepherds that could care less about their sheep. And he let their land go to pot. And these uh, sheep just look emaciated and discontent. And they often died off. Um, and, and he had a, you know, desire to take care of his sheep and, and he cared about his reputation as a shepherd. So he did it right. Not that he's bragging, but it was kind of a picture of what the enemy of our souls does when he doesn't care for us. But David unpacks this idea that the Lord is my shepherd. And therefore, I have no needs. I have no, I, I'm not wanting for anything. I'm totally satisfied. Now, there's, there's several things we can pull out of this. The Lord is my shepherd. The word in Hebrew is Jehovah, and we like to add in the vowels, but the original came from when Moses had the burning bush encounter, and um, he asked, God, Moses had the audacity to ask God his name, and he said, my name is I am that I am, and it's uh, known through the continents, Y-W-H-W, did I get that right? There might be another Y, I, whatever, it's Yahweh, and and actually, it's, it's so uh, profound that when you say it, it sounds like you're breathing. <sighs> and, and the way they would do it in Hebrew, I'm not doing justice to. But basically, everything that has breath in its lungs is, is declaring the name of its creator. Um, and, and so this is the one that created the heavens and the earth in a sentence. This is the one that parted the Red Sea through Moses and, and his rod. This is the one that came and died in our place to redeem us and purchase us for himself. This is the one who even now ever lives to make intercession for us that we might be saved to the uttermost. This is a God who cares for your needs. And, and it's, it's not just like having some, you know, flippant boss that could care less about your comings or goings. And it's about the bottom line and whatever. This is a God who knows us inside and out. And this humongous, big, awesome, glorious God is a shepherd to you. And he's not just any shepherd. 
You can be possessive about this. He's your shepherd. David says, he's my shepherd. And therefore, I, I shall not want. Now, you, I, I don't know about you. As I read the headlines, I see gas prices going up. I see interest rates going up. I see, uh, you know, talk of uh, economic collapse and, and blah, 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 you know, recession, yada, yada. It's easy to get scared. It's easy to get anxious about our needs being met. And um, that's the thing. This is not like saying you're going to have a Lamborghini and have five vacation homes and four yachts. Uh, there are some who have twisted the gospel to say that he will provide. And if you don't have gold fixtures on your bathrooms, then you're not, you know, in favor with God. And that's hogwash and that's hooey because Jesus really had no uh, possessions of his own. Uh, he he uh, had many of his followers experienced times where, where, like Paul said, you know, I know what it is to be content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so when God says, I will provide for your needs, uh, he's, he's not wanting us to get this idea that we're going to have, like, all the riches and all the glory. Some of his followers had that. Solomon got that. You know, Abraham had a lot of uh, cattle and all kinds of stuff. Job had a lot. But So it's not a sin to, to have lots of bling bling. But it, when we fall in love with the idea of money and, and, and are so gripped by it, we can, we can let that become consuming. And, and the scriptures over and over, Jesus says... Um, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where this truth came home. When I was a young guy out of college, I freshly saved, got saved in 1996, gave my heart to Jesus, felt called to the mission field, and I had went through this internship, this campus ministry training program at Western, and we had to raise our funds for the year and ask people to, to donate towards our efforts of reaching out with the gospel to college students. And it was nerve-wracking because I had never done anything like that. And I had, a, I had a budget, I had a goal. It was pretty, like, you know, single guy budget, didn't really need a whole lot. But I went out and I made some phone calls, I sent some letters out, and um, about two weeks before the deadline of when our money was due, the director of the program calls me, he says, Jason, um, have you like made your needs known to people because you've got $25 a month pledged to your name and you say you need $900 a month. How can a guy live on $900 a month? But to me, that was faith. You know, if I could get $900 a month, I can do this thing at really cheap rent. And uh, he said, we've never had any intern fail to raise their funds for this program, but you could be the first. <laughs> and I began to freak out. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I got really stressed out. And then I settled the issue. I was like, wait a second, Jesus. I'm putting my life on the line. I'm saying no to dating for a year. I um, am going to be mocked by college students that don't want to hear about Jesus. Like, I'm doing this for you. And you say that if I seek your kingdom and your righteousness, you'll provide for all my needs. So I just settled the issue. And I was so convinced God was going to provide for me within two weeks that I began to brag to my non-Christian coworkers at the coffee shop I worked at that I was going to get to see close to a $9,000 miracle in two weeks. And they're like, okay, crazy boy, you know. And, uh, but I just kept saying that. And come August 1st, when the deadline for the money was due, 
I called into the bookkeeper and found out that exactly $900 a month had come in in pledges. And I hadn't done anything really different. I made a few phone calls. I wasn't doing the fundraising thing very right or well. I didn't know what I was doing. But it struck me that it wasn't $875 a month. It wasn't $925 a month. It was exactly what I asked for and that I knew that I needed. And God confirmed to me in that moment that he's going to take care of me all the days of my life as I trust his leadership. Whether it's into a fundraising thing or a ministry thing or, you know, people who are running their own business, they need faith for provision. We all need faith for provision. And Jesus wants us to settle the issue he satisfies the longings of our hearts. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. First Peter, or 2 Peter 1.3 says. And so I just wanted to share that story, this, this truth that God will provide for us. So important as we go into the new year. Um, Jesus was hearkening, next slide, to this reality in John 10 where he says, I am the good shepherd. And that passage is really fun to meditate on and dig into. Um, he, he basically contrasts himself with the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he came that we might have life. And he says things like, I lay down my life for the sheep. And as you read a book like this, you'll, you'll realize what efforts the shepherds have to go to to make sure that the feet, sheep are taken care of. And he was saying, hey guys, I'm the good shepherd. In contrast to some of the bad shepherds that, he spoke, that God spoke about in Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, and I'm going to unpack some of those passages in a bit. Not yet. Stay on the slide. But here's the thing. Um, we become like what we behold. So if you worship a God who is loving and you declare you are loving, you will become more and more loving as you look at his ways and the gospel of how he loved. You'll start to take on the caricature traits of the one that you worship and the one you behold. And as he wants to reveal himself to us as our shepherd, if you stay there in that place, if you stay there focusing on him, he will reveal himself to you as a good shepherd. And he actually wants to display his character and nature to the world around us. He wants us to have that shepherd's heart for those lost and wayward sheep that are roaming around in Bellingham and Whatcom County. And it's been a desire of mine to, to see my life be a fulfillment of this promise in Jeremiah 3.15, where God promises, and in the context, it's kind of this end times passage. God says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And that I don't believe it's just speaking of head knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge, an intimacy with the, with the Lord, our good shepherd. And when we know him, we can be those people of understanding that lead many to righteousness that Daniel 11 talks about. So I'm going to go ahead and read this passage in Ezekiel 34, just a couple of chunks of it. Um, he says, and the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel 34, verse 1 through 6, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter fatlings and you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. 
My sheep wandered through all, all the mountains and on every hillside. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. And then I'm going to skip over a few verses down to verse 11. Next slide. And, and uh, the Lord says, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they are scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them out from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. They shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost, bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken, strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and strong, the fat and the strong, and feed them in judgment. Now I know that's a little intense. This rebuke against the the bad shepherds of Israel. But I mean, I think a lot of us have looked in the past to political leaders, to leaders of business, to lead, even religious leaders, to, um, to be what only Jesus can be. And there are those, I, I just wanna, you know, maybe newsflash, but I don't think Bill Gates is a great shepherd for our souls. Uh, I don't think Anthony Fauci or Elon Musk or even Donald Trump is a great shepherd for our souls. Only Jesus can be the good shepherd who feeds us what we truly need, and he alone knows our needs. Um, I, yeah, I had this weird experience when I was at International House of Prayer, and I've shared this before. It's kind of a weird story, but basically I had this revelation that I had this guy who gave me a prophetic word that he wanted my, that it was important that I root myself in my identity as a son and a shepherd. And I thought that was a weird word, but um, fast forward a few months, I was having a really hard day, and I had this profound revelation of the Father's heart. And there was a lot that built up to that moment. I was like, God, show me the Father's heart as I'm sitting here hurting. And within five seconds, this man put his arm around me, said, Jason, you doing okay? And I thought, what in the world? Like, I just prayed for the Father's heart, and here's this guy with white hair, white beard, pursuing me, embracing me, calling me by name, asking me how I'm doing. I was feeling a bit estranged from my dad at the moment, and it just hit me. This was the answer to my prayer, and I began to weep profoundly for 10 minutes, snotting into this guy's chest. And um, after that, uh, about 10 minutes later, I was back on the prayer lines, and I was like, oh, the love of the Father, that was really good. How about some of the joy of the Lord? And right after praying that, this Puerto Rican man in his 50s began bleating like a sheep right next to me. And like, this wasn't, this wasn't normal out there in this community. There was a fresh move of the spirit that lasted for about 11 months and it was really exciting to be a part of. But um, this wasn't like, you know, I heard about that in the, uh, Toronto. There were some people that made animal noises. This wasn't like common in that uh, situation. But I... I was like, everybody in a 15-foot radius of this guy just busted a gut with the joy of the Lord as he's making sheep noises. And I thought to myself, wait a second, I just had my revelation of my sonship, now here's a sheep. And I thought of that word about my identity as a son, as a shepherd. I thought, maybe I'm supposed to pray for this sheep. So I put my hand on his back and I begin to pray for him. And his bleeding goes to like the next octave. And I'm like, what is happening? This is weird. 
And, um, and I had this little thought go through my head. I thought about Peter when he was restored after denying Jesus three times. And Jesus, Peter's, uh, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He's like, yes. Then he goes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. And so I thought, okay, if this thought is from you, God, and here's one sheep, I need two more sheep tonight. It was just a weird thought process. I know, I know, I'm a weirdo. But anyway, later that night, I was praying for somebody, and 20 feet away, I heard this kid bleeding like a sheep. And I was like, sorry, I got to go pray for that guy. This is good, okay. And I go over here, and I'm praying for this guy, and I unpack this Psalm 23 word and about how when he had wandered off, the Lord even had to break his legs to put him on his back so he could carry him home. And he's crying, and I'm like, whoa, this is profound. And that was that. And so I thought, okay, I got two sheep. Now, turns out I, I interviewed this guy later. He wasn't actually bleeding like a sheep. That's just what his laugh sounds like. And he was laughing. So go figure. But anyway, I didn't get another sheep noise that night. I did have a guy with the last name Shear pray for me. That was interesting. But then there was this guy who walks up to me, and the first thing he says is, the Lord says, you are such a good shepherd for the sheep. And then he begins to unpack the secrets of my heart and pray into my situation. And it was like, whoa, goosebumps, right? And so I, don't, I just share that to say, the Lord's spoken to me about that. I don't know if I'm doing that great. Sometimes I wander off myself like a, like a lost sheep. But my heart is that I could be described as one of those shepherds after God's heart that would feed people on the knowledge of Jesus and understanding of his ways. And I think he wants that for all of us. Okay, uh, next slide. It says that uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, now, that sounds like, you know, get down. Like, he makes me, you know, he's like, Burr. but But I think it just means that he allows me to rest. He invites me to be free from anxiety and to rest in him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls. Come learn from me, uh, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. My burden is easy, my yoke is light. And so he invites us to experience his peace and his rest. Now, reading this book, next slide, um, you see, um, next slide, you see that the cover is, um, yeah, a little bit better than this 60s one. Um, but three of the, um, Four of the reasons why a sheep won't lie down and won't take the rest that it so desperately needs. Um, one of them is predators. So if there's, you know, wolves out there on the, on the periphery, they'll be all jittery. Um, another one is pests. So like mosquitoes and these nose flies that go up their nose and then they plant their, their eggs and it just gets really gross and they get diseased. Sorry to get graphic on you, but those can really cause the sheep to not chill out. Uh, another one is rivalry from the other sheep. And um, it's really interesting if you carry on reading in that Ezekiel 34 passage, um, Jesus not only rebukes the bad shepherds, but he rebukes the sheep that are butting one another out. It's like the pecking order, you know? The strong one, the fat one's going to be like, I'm going to get this good tuft of grass, and he's going to make it known that nobody else can. And so it's like not looking out for one another and they can get kind of jittery about that when there's tension in the flock. And um, finally, if they're hungry, they just can't chill out. They need to be well fed. And so, but here's the same antidote for all four of those things. 
is, next slide, the reason why they can lie down is, next slide, when they have an awareness of the shepherd, the good shepherd's present, and they're like, you know what? I don't got, got to worry about Bob and his pecking order and his alpha sheep issues. <laughs> I don't got to worry about that coyote over there. Now, if you're out on the periphery and you're not very close to the shepherd, you might get picked off, even if you have a good shepherd. And so there's wisdom in staying huddled close to the shepherd. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later when he talks about anointing. He anoints my head with oil. That's what the shepherds use to get those pests and those mosquitoes and those flies out of their nose and um, it has a healing effect for them. And then when they're hungry, um, they can't chill. But if they know the character and the nature of their shepherd who keeps leading them to greener pastures and knows when it's time to move to the next one because we're about to deplete this one, so we've got to keep moving, um, then, then they can have peace and they can actually lay down and rest because they're aware of the presence of the shepherd. Now, scriptures say that we are, we are his sheep, Psalm 100, the sheep of his pasture, and we enter his gates with thanksgiving, and we enter his courts with praise. If you want to experience the presence of your good shepherd, the best way to do it is go in through the gate of thanksgiving and praise. And it's so easy to get all worked up about something that's bugging us, some pest, some bug, that's, you know, some coworker that's rubbing us the wrong way some issue in our life that it won't go away, some persistent health thing or whatever. But when we stop and count our blessings, that we have access to the presence of the good shepherd, not just any old good shepherd, like the shepherd of our souls. He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He, in the Great Commission, he said, Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And if we can... Remind ourselves of that. I know he's invisible to most of us all the time, you know. I've never had a vision of Jesus in the flesh like that, you know. But if I can pause and remind myself that the word says he's with me, and how do I, how do I enter into that reality? Through thanksgiving and praise. It's this exchange in Philippians 4, 6-7. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Key ingredient. We present our request to God. It's a great exchange. We give him our crap. He gives us his peace, and we can lay down and rest. Okay, next slide. Another thing, when we're hungry, we can be well fed. Now, that just true, works in the natural. My kids get hangry when we don't feed them enough snacks throughout the day. And, boy, we have learned to get that protein right when it's, like, you know, mid-afternoon or they're going to be ooh, no fun to be around with their brothers and whatnot. Well, it works in, in, in our spiritual life, too. If we're famished for the word of God, we're going to get cranky. We're going to forget that we're beloved. We're going to forget what's worth living for, what's worth dying for. We're going to forget what's important, what's not. And we're going to be acting out of our flesh. And so there's just wisdom in having a daily diet in the word of God. Um, and, and so I've started something, and I believe that we're inviting every one of you to join if you want. If you're like me, I always make New Year's resolutions and I often don't follow through with them. Um, but my resolution this year is not so much to depend on myself um, and my own ability to do things, but to look to the shepherd to be the one who takes care of me. And so um, 
Jesus likes to feed us on his word. He knows it's really nutrient. And, um, and so uh, as I surveyed, everybody have the YouVersion Bible app on their phone? If you don't, you can download it. It's free. It's a great app. There's all kinds of translations in there. And there's all kinds of Bible reading plans. And um, I surveyed several of the ones that go through the Bible in a year. And I just like the idea of having a little bit of old, a little bit of new, maybe a little psalm and or proverb. And so I landed on this one that has a devotional in addition to a song, an Old Testament chapter or two, a New Testament chapter, a proverb or a psalm. So it goes three psalms, like one, two, three days of psalm. And then the fourth day is a little nugget of proverb. And then through that, I can't remember the number of times you go through the Proverbs. You can do the math and the Psalms. But you get a good little healthy, rounded, all the food groups in the Scripture kind of a thing in your system. And I also like, okay, so we've been running this thing called the Alpha Course. And we're probably going to keep trying to get people to find and seek to save those who are lost. to Introduce them to the Good Shepherd Jesus through this course, Alpha, that was started by a guy named Nicky Gumbel. He's a British dude. He and his wife, Pippa, are great. And they have a lot of wisdom. Actually, I have Nikki Gummel to thank for my wife because I, my wife lived in an all-girls home and they were inspired by Nikki Gummel because we were running an alpha course. And um, so they were doing English accent week for the week. And that was the week. My first conversation with Cara Kelly, who Cara Stahl at the time, was in like a mile walk down from campus talking in British accents together. And I thought, oh, this girl's so witty. I wonder if she's just charming with an American accent, you know? And um, so that was the beginning of my undercover crush on Car Kelly. Thank you, Nikki Gumble. Boom. Okay, so anyway, back to this thing. Um, now, the cool thing about this app is that you can invite friends and have conversations about it in the little technology, you know? Um, and you can also, there's a devotional. Now, I found the devotional a little long, to be honest, but it's full of great insights. And the beautiful thing about Bible apps is that you can just skip that part about devotional if you don't care about the devotional. But I love that it was there for those that wanted a little extra insight into the passage. There's also a thing called the Express Version and the Youth Version. I think they're the same thing. They just, you know, wanted to appeal to youth and anybody who didn't have the stomach for as much scripture as you're going to go through in the full classic version. It has um, just basically a verse from old, a verse from new, a verse from Psalms. And, and so it's not like trying to get through five chapters. It's like three verses, and then you can read the devotional. Um, so for the person that wants to say, I can check that off my bucket list. I read the entire Bible this year. Um, the classic, I mean, the, the Express and the Youth one are not, the one to do, but um, I love that they go hand in hand. So we'll figure out how to like invite other people, but I think you gotta be signed in to the app in order to be invited from someone like Jeremy or me. But there's other great apps out there. You don't need an app, you can do it on a paper Bible. But I just challenge you guys this year, um, not to prove how spiritual you are, but to be well-nourished with a well-rounded diet. Uh, get into the word daily and uh, it's going to make a difference, I tell you what. Today was Genesis 1, um, and it got me thinking about where God says that he created man and woman in his image, and they were very good. And, you know, I just can't help but think about Numbers 23. It's the 23rd year of the century. We're going into the 23rd Psalm. Well, in science, uh, you look at the human body and our DNA. 
were made up of 23 pairs of chromosomes. Uh, or Yeah, and, and the first 22 pairs are across the board for everybody. But that 23rd chromosome has the X or the Y chromosome. I might be saying it wrong. Sorry, science people. But basically, pairings of, of DNA strands. And, um, and I'm just believing that there are those that are confused about what their chromosomes say about their gender. And, and I'm believing that this is going to be a year of the Lord coming in and breaking off self-hatred and breaking off confusion and coming to reveal himself that I'm, I made you not as junk. I didn't make a mistake. I wasn't confused in the process. I know who you are, and I've created you in my image. And so there, that's for free. Next slide. Okay. Um, he leads me beside still waters. Now, a shepherd will know that there's about three different ways you can get water hydration to your sheep. One is by eating the grass in the morning because the dew. Often the dew is sufficient if there's not a stream to hydrate them adequately. And then there's wells and then there's streams. And um, I just want to highlight this idea all throughout Scripture uh, water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Jesus got up and John said and said, if anyone thirsty, come to me and drink and streams of living water will flow from within him. And then the, the commentary, the next verse says, by this he was referring to the Holy Spirit. And in John 4, he's talking to the woman at the well who's looked for love in all the wrong places. And he goes, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink and you would never thirst again. The drink I give will well up to eternal life. And at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 7, 17, we see that, that the lamb, Jesus is called the lamb. I love this contrast here. The lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. The lamb will be a shepherd. Which is it, lamb or shepherd? Yes. He was both. He's such a great shepherd for our souls because he was a sheep. He knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to struggle and to be fought with enemies all around. And, and because he did it perfectly, he has the authority to shepherd our souls. And it says that he will lead them by streams of living water and wipe every tear from their eye. Jesus wants to lead us into those times of refreshing. And Ephesians 5 says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. I don't know if the singing songs is the byproduct or the cause of being filled. I think it's, you know, cyclical. As we sing, sometimes we've got to sing ourselves into the truth, and we get filled with the Holy Spirit as we do so. And sometimes as we get freshly filled with the Holy Spirit because we ask God, I'm a leaky vessel, fill me today. He fills us, and we just want to bust out in song. And it could be with your understanding. It could be with your spirit language if you have one. But Jesus says he's a good father. He gives good gifts to those who ask. And so how much more will he give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I just want to encourage you to find those times to not just approach the scripture academically, but the Holy Spirit is the way it becomes personal, becomes real. Jesus says the Father's looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we need both. We need to come to his word, but we need to come in communion with him asking for his Holy Spirit for understanding into the scriptures, asking for wisdom about our day and our circumstances, and he will guide us. And just like the dew only comes in the morning, but by the heat of the day, it's evaporated, I think there's a principle there. I know this is not the word people like my wife want to hear who are not morning people like me. 
I was gifted with the Kelly jeans, and I get up at 5 a.m. every morning, and I just ready. I, if I want to get an hour to myself, I got to do it before my other genetically influenced people get up at the same time. All right, so they, they can't get out of bed till six. Dad gets an hour to himself, and there's good do in those mornings when I chew on the word. And too many mornings in the past, I've chewed on my favorite podcast or, you know, wasted too much time with, what's that one? The uh, Wordle. <laughs> anyway, when you get stuck in Wordle, oh, it just ruins your day. So, um, but there's something to be said. Jesus often, Mark 1.35, got up early before the sun even rose and he spent time with his father. David in Psalm 5 and so many Psalms says, you know, early in the morning will I seek you. And, and so there's just something to be said about starting your day off right, seeking the Lord, rather than seeking our phones, seeking Facebook, seeking our text messages, our emails. It's just easy to do. Um, so next slide. I shared this here. This is in John 10 about the good shepherd. Jesus says this thing where he's, he's talking about being the good shepherd, but he says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Now, Here's the deal with that. This picture is very similar to what ancient Middle Eastern sheep pens looked like. They were small. They just had to keep the sheep in. And they had a little gate that was narrow. And the shepherd would actually sleep in the opening. And sometimes there was even like a half wall where they would sleep across and just lay across it. So when Jesus says, I lay my life down, it does mean he goes to the cross and he does all this stuff for us. But it also means he, he lays there and he's watching over us. He never sleeps nor slumbers. He's making sure. So when we go to bed at night, we're like, oh, I could get eaten by a coyote tonight. And we look, and there's the good shepherd guarding our path. And we wake up in the morning. We're like, oh, no, a wolf could be coming. We look over, and there he is again, guarding and protecting us. And there's something to be said about seeking him in the first thing in the morning and seeking him at night. And I am guilty of just letting the latest Netflix thing you know, be my thing that fuels my imagination before I go into my dream life at night. And I just want Jesus to be the first thing and the last thing in my day. That's a New Year's resolution. It's going to take strength of the good shepherd, knowing that I'm prone to wander and I'm a little bit ADD. Okay, next slide. He restores my soul. So we need restoration only if there's like havoc in our life, right? You've destroyed something if you're getting restored. And why does David say this? Well, he, he knew this firsthand with Bathsheba. Jesus restored his soul after breaking all 10 of the commandments. We all have a proneness to wander. Um, in Psalm 42, David says, why are you downcast, O my soul? That phrase, cast down, actually was a shepherding phrase. When the sheep fall over, they're kind of like turtles. They can't get back up when they get too far over. And they kind of look ridiculous like that. And they need the shepherd to come restore them and get them on their feet again. And often, according to this shepherd, Philip Keller, that happened when they were too comfortable or they were too woolly and they had like dreadlocks going on with their wool and it just lopped them over or they were too fat. And if I had more time, I'd unpack each of those a little more. But sometimes we get a little too comfortable and wool in scripture always speaks of self Self-effort. So in Ezekiel 44, the priests were to come in not wearing wool, but linens. Because with linen, you didn't sweat. But with wool, you do. And so it was a picture of self-effort. If there's too much, you know, stubborn, 
I'm going to do it my way kind of stuff, then they're going to find themselves in a situation where they need to be restored. And, and I, this fast we referenced, I'm looking at that as a way to just experience Jesus' restoration in my soul. That I, maybe I'm a little too fat, <laughs> literally, and maybe I'm a little too comfortable. Maybe I'm a little too self-dependent, self-sufficient. And if I want to eat the good stuff, the richest affair, I would be well to maybe, you know, what did Paul say? Uh, God's, Jesus said to Paul, my power is made sufficient in weakness. So Paul's going to brag about his weaknesses all the more. Um, we can choose voluntary weakness and so not as much into our flesh and so into our spirit. And in doing so, we come alive and experience a restoration and a revival in our soul. And so I want to invite you into that. We'll talk about that more. Um, 23 verse 3, I got to start wrapping this up. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, guys, there have been times in my life where I go, did I get here by God's leadership or my own? I don't know. But for 20 six, seven years or something following Jesus, I have experienced Jesus making it clear what path to take next. And even when I take a wrong step, he had something in it for me to learn. And so we can trust his leadership. And if you're sitting here not knowing what I'm supposed to do for a job, what I'm supposed to do for education, what I'm supposed to do next, would you allow him to be the shepherd of your soul and lead you? He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness for the sake of his name, not even so that you could be, you know, Time Magazine Man of the Year, but so that Jesus could make the cover of Time Magazine and be person of the year, the good shepherd who led his people so well that our lives glorified him when we obeyed him. In those small little moments and in those big life decisions, he gets glorified when we just say yes to his leadership. Uh, next slide. My sheep hear my voice, he said over and over in John 10. And so um, if you don't believe that, it's true. You are his sheep. He's speaking often more subtly than you think. But are you asking him for guidance and direction in your day? Uh, next slide. The, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Often, we get to the top of the mountain through the valley. That's the wisest way to go. It's where the water is. It's actually the safest, even though a lot of different things are congregating there. But in the presence of your good shepherd, you're safe. You have, you have nothing to fear if you stay close to him. And so some of you are going through valleys right now. And I just want to say, don't despise it. Don't think that God has forsaken you. He's often bringing you to that mountaintop of encounter. And you'll look back and you'll go, man, Jesus was so close. When I was in rock bottom, I was at the crisis moment. And God will allow those challenging circumstances to cause us to lean on him and cling to him. Now, rod and staff, um, apparently the rod, you know, was for correction. And also for beating off. Um, you could throw it at a wolf and it would run away. If a, if a sheep was going for a poisonous bush, the shepherd would throw it. And he would, no, okay, don't go there, okay. And the, the staff was there to, like, lift um, them out of situations that they couldn't get themselves out of. It's this loving thing. I think, again, it's a picture of the word and the spirit. Uh, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Next slide. Um, 
we are born into a world at war. There is an enemy of your soul that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to lie to you about your worth, about your identity, about your significance, and how loved you are. And there's a table that Jesus has spread. Now, in shepherding parlance, there was actually, often this is a journey throughout the year in the summer seasons where they go to the plateau, and, it, you know, there could be enemies around. But I'm not going to unpack that. I'm just going to get to the metaphor application here. Jesus prepares a table for us. Now, we can look at his food, his word as food, his spirit as drink. That's certainly there, but I've already hit those ideas. So I want to talk about the table that Jesus set on the night he was betrayed in the presence of his enemies. Where he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Every time you eat this meal, you do it in remembrance of me. You proclaim my death until I come. In Revelation 12, 11, it says that the accuser of the brethren is roaring around, the serpent of old, this enemy of our souls. But it says the saints, they overcame the accuser. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their lives so much as to shrink from death. Feast on this meal of his sacrifice for you. When you blow it, don't put yourself in the timeout box for three weeks. Run straight to Jesus. When Peter first encountered Jesus at the miraculous catch of fish, he was like, away from me, I'm a sinful man. But three years later, after he got to know the character and heart of Jesus, Jesus did the same miracle when it opened Peter's eyes after just denying him three times, feeling shame, guilt, condemnation. He swam a hundred yard dash to Jesus because he knew that he was a merciful, forgiving God. And so if you find yourself surrounded by lies and accusation and struggles and warfare, keep going back. Paul said, I purpose to know nothing but Christ and am crucified. Next slide, you anoint my head with oil. He's able to take those lies and replace them with truth by the anointing of his spirit. He's able to cause, next slide, cause your cup to overflow so that you spill the presence of Jesus and the joy of the Lord all around you, everywhere you go. And um, finally, he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a couple of stalkers in your life, but they're not the creepy kind. They're called goodness and mercy. And they are hunting you down. And sometimes we don't want to hear it. We don't want to believe it. But Jesus is relentless in his pursuit of you. And, and wherever you go, you leave behind a blessing. I love the name of this church. It's not just enough to say we are blessed as City Church. The whole city is our church. And we want to bless the city. So when you leave here and you go to your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, whatever situation you find yourself in, are you leaving behind a blessing of the goodness and the mercy of Jesus? Is that the hallmark? Is that the legacy of your life? He wants it to be. And he wants you to know that when everything seems hopeless and you, you fret and you're anxious, you have it so made, you're going to get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. I know I've gone a little long. I'm going to share land on this one story, and some of you have heard it before. But the week after my mom passed away, 
I couldn't sleep for a week because I wasn't confident she was with Jesus. She gave her heart to, to the Lord the same time I did. So it had been a couple decades. But she had some issues, some warts. And, and uh, so we did this exercise where we practiced hearing his voice. And uh, I'll just spare the details. I was the recipient this time of the words of a group of people in the room just sh shouting out, not knowing who they were speaking to, the impressions they were getting, the subtle pictures in their mind's eye, the verses that might come to mind. And every single person who didn't know they were speaking to me got pictures straight out of Psalm 23. Green pastures, a shepherd's rod, the word comfort, a baby lamb crying out for its mother. My mom's maiden name was Lamb. And I'm crying out for my mother. And, and all this stuff that was like, so, so it hit me because my mom's favorite song was Psalm 23. And I had quoted it to her on her deathbed two weeks before she passed away. And I forgot the last line. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the day. And she knew it by heart and she finished the song for me. Now the last picture somebody saw was of a person going down a shadowy valley. And then all of a sudden this white sheet comes out of heaven and engulfs that person. And the word was, you may see yourself through the weaknesses and the failures you have, but Jesus looks at you through the righteousness of Christ. Now, that meant a lot when I applied it to my own life and my own situation. But the thing that kept me sleepless was, where is my mom? Is she dwelling in your house forever? And when, I, when God brought it home, that he looks at her not through her own achievements and righteousness, but through the very righteousness of Christ, it settled the issue. And I was a sheep that could lay down that night. And I got a good eight-hour, ten-hour sleep. And in that Jeremiah 23 passage where he's rebuking the bad shepherds, he goes and he describes this one, the Lord our righteousness. Jesus is your strength. He is your righteousness. He is your wisdom. This year, don't make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to do better this time than last year. Just say, I'm going to let Jesus do better and lead me where he wants me to go because I trust his leadership. It's perfect. And he is my righteousness. Amen? Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do whatever. So, Jesus, we just thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that there's so much in a six-verse psalm. I can't get through it in the time allotted. I'm going to repent. <laughs> but you're good, and your word is good. And God, would you give us wisdom to follow your voice and not the voice of another's? Would you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake? We thank you that even in the presence of our enemies, you prepare a table for us. We can drink of the sacrifice of your blood and apply it fresh to our circumstances. We thank you for your body broken for us. You truly are the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. And we just say, God, we want to enter your presence. We want to be aware that you're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And we choose gratitude this year to count our blessings. Even the challenges where there's a silver lining, we thank you for those difficult ones. Those difficult people, difficult circumstances. We just say you're good, and we have it so good. We'll dwell in your house forever. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all our needs. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Bless the City Church podcast. For more content, you can find us on Facebook or at blessthecitychurch.com.